Welcome to episode 111 of Keep the Kayfabe. I'm Mike, and I'm not sitting with a bunch of boys, but just one of my boys uh, tonight. Because, you know, scheduling, conflicting. Uh, I think Steve actually has a book signing for his new book tonight at Barnes & Noble. Lines out the door. So he's going to be wrapped up this evening for his new sci-fi novel. And uh, I know Charlie had some engagements tonight, too. Uh, Maybe doing underwear modeling. Maybe not. I'm not sure, but <laughs> there was one person that did want to come hang out and talk a little bit of wrestling, and it is my guy over in Bayview, keeping it freshly squeezed, Mr. Matt Michelson. What up, Matt? All these guys out here wearing a mouthpiece. Terry Funk ain't wearing no mouthpiece. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, uh, courtesy of our friend Charlie, who's not here with us tonight. Yeah. Uh, We'll be getting into it in just a minute, but Charlie shared a really great promo with us from uh, the late, great Jay Briscoe. Uh, just classic. We'll, we'll talk more about it as the show rolls on. Right. And that's why we're sitting here tonight. We definitely didn't want to skip a week, even though, you know, half of our um, staff at Keep the Kayfabe is absent tonight. Uh, but we we had to jump on and, you know, pay tribute and honor the late, great Jay Briscoe, like Matt said. Yeah, this news rolled in uh, Tuesday night, and uh, Char- we have our group thread, and Charlie announced it uh, to us. We were all pretty much like, what? Oh, my God. He was so young and, like, basically on fire right now, most recently with FTR. And that's one of Ch- – I wish Charlie uh, didn't have an engagement tonight because that's one of his – you know, favorite tag teams. Um, he shared a lot of good stories with us before we share those. Uh, yeah, we just want to, you know, the wrestling world lost somebody really, really great. All I've been reading about is just all of like some of the greatest wrestlers going today say their best matches were with Jay Briscoe and how much they helped them gain the confidence and have the careers that they're having. And he died tragically in a horrible car accident. Uh, the news was he was driving his um, young daughters to cheerleading practice. I believe they were 12 and nine and uh, a car jumped the median and hit them head on. And both drivers instantly uh, passed away in the in the crash so it's it's absolutely tragic very very sad and uh i know a lot of uh the wrestlers and the wrestling world are mourning the losses of or, or the loss of you know their friend and the the daughters of jay are actually in critical condition but hopefully they're going to survive they were wearing their seatbelts, so that's great news but yeah um we've seen a lot of tweets out there and tributes and promos and well wishes but uh yeah from keep the kayfabe here we're 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 sending one up to jay briscoe tonight for sure and matt have you been seeing anything out there um what what have you been seeing and reading uh i I actually i think you did a really good job summing it up um yeah actually i think it was just very recently released that 
uh, a car had jumped the median and actually struck the Briscoe vehicle, you know, because the first the moment you hear about something like this and it's really mm -hmm. unfortunate because I think a lot of pro wrestlers get a bad rap for either drinking or just, you know, things along those lines, drinking and driving, stuff like that. That's immediately where my mind went. Um, thankfully, mm -hmm. that wasn't the case. I mean, not that that makes it any better. It's still an unfortunate outcome for everyone. But um, yeah, honestly, I am not super familiar with a lot of the Briscoe's work. I'll admit it. I did go back and watch the first match between them and FTR. Uh, as part of the trilogy that they've had over the last year or so. And man, yeah, I, I get the hype. Um, you know, even Charlie, uh, who again is in here with us tonight, he, he's a huge fan of the Briscoes and he always has been. I mean, we'll be talking about, you know, WWE, AEW, and somehow he'll find a way to bring up the Briscoes and put them <laughs> in the conversation, I feel like. For sure. But um, understandably so. And so, you know, obviously Charlie isn't here, but we did talk to him before the show and just wanted to get his thoughts on some you know how did he feel about the briscoes because he actually had met them in real life um he was telling us this story about several years back here in milwaukee ring of honor came to town and did a live show at a venue called turner hall which is sort of like a smaller venue in the city um which is great for pro wrestling fans because you get great seats no matter where you sit mike and it's i it's a great room it's awesome great yes. room high ceilings there's a balcony so there's it's got like this small intimate uh setting feel to it so if you get a ticket you know you're gonna see something special for sure and so obviously mike has been there so have i um even together a handful of times but charlie was telling us the story about this ring of honor show where uh he saw one of the best matches ever with the briscoe brothers um mark briscoe apparently jumped off a balcony through a table that a guy was laying on just unreal like just two of the most crazy wrestlers in the world who will do anything to entertain the fans and we know that to be true because after the show charlie had a chance to meet them talk with them for a little bit um and per charlie and charlie's met quite a few pro wrestlers in real life he said they were by far the nicest guys that he's met um and they asked him right away you know how was the match you know did you like it like what 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 could we do better basically um which just goes to show how humble jay briscoe was um you know it's not every day you hear a story about a celebrity that asks fans for feedback on things mm -hmm. um typically it's just yeah how lucky are you to meet me right now right um mm -hmm. but that was not the case with jay briscoe so really cool story that charlie was able to share with us definitely and he said bobby fish was a dick uh yeah and i mean Br folks <laughs> where's the lie <laughs> yeah um yeah, Charlie, that was a great story by him. And he talks about the Briscoes a lot. I mean, he's I mean, he's a he really got me into exploring more Ring of Honor because I guess the Briscoes uh Jay wrestled the first Ring of Honor match on the first show of Ring of Honor. So he like started that whole program. Um they've been in it for twenty years. Um, like we mentioned before, so many of these wrestlers have said just what an awesome energy he was in the locker room, in the ring. Uh, guys like Matt Hardy, I, I read that, like, he just could not believe how good this dude was at pro wrestling. And when you watch the matches and really watch it closely and all just the small things, um, it's, it, he, uh, he really, they're, they're masters. He's, and he's not like the hugest guy. He's big. And he's not small. So he's just like in that perfect realm, cut, 
kind of scary at the like with the dreadlocks like a pirate their whole gimmick was like chicken farmers and they worked it <laughs> beautifully and uh they, you know they're just badasses and just you know ground and pound rough and rowdy uh chicken farmers that were champions uh like uh, Matt mentioned too, their FTR trilogy that they just had. I mean, we're so thankful that that happened before this tragedy happened too, because uh, that was some of the best work of last year, probably. That doesn't probably get talked enough, um, talked about enough. But um, yeah, just really, really sad. And uh, AEW did a pretty great job honoring him. It was still pretty fresh, uh, and you know, a lot of the AEW roster is indie. So wrestled very closely all over the U.S. and the world with Jay, and they were probably, you know, probably was really hard to go to the office that day and do what they did. But a lot of the wrestlers were wearing Jay armbands when they went out on performed on camera, and it was a great show. AEW was a, you know, it's really tough to do something like that so fresh off, like I said. But they started the night off pretty light like in fun and got people like you know laughing and chilled out a little bit best friends versus jay lethal or, or orange cassidy basically versus jay lethal but the best friends came out and the rest with jeff jarrett a masterful way to just kind of you know lighten it up a little bit sped things up with top flight and young bucks aerials you know great performers you know just it was really well tastefully booked but the big match that stole the show last night was brian danielson versus uh the man from mexico bandito a fourth generation who we got to see a couple times uh luckily and he's he is a master i mean we've seen some of his stuff with um the triple a um the mexican promotion uh most recently, I think he crushed it, but he's moonlighted a couple times in AEW, but he made his way up to wrestle probably one of the best wrestlers in the world right now. Brian Danielson put on a hell of a show. I know you watched it, Matt. What were your thoughts on it? Yeah, this match was phenomenal. Um, Brian Danielson, when he first got into AEW, had a series of matches that I thought at the time were always the best matches of the week. Um, mm -hmm. That seems to be a pattern with him. I think that's sort of sagged a little bit uh, in recent months, mainly because not not because Danielson's gotten any worse or that his opponents have you know gotten better. It's just he's so good that I feel like sometimes he sort of needs to take a back seat to some of these other guys that are in the ring. But now with this latest program where he's on a run trying to become the number one contender to face MJF at Revolution this match with bandito comes along and man god it could not have come along at a better time you get a match where brian danielson is on this quest to win he really needs to show off everything he can do and what better guy to do it with um a couple spots yeah. that stood out to me in this match bandito does this it's almost like brian danielson's hunched over by the ropes bandito dives over him sort of bounces off the rope flips back over danielson and does a german suplex just probably one of the most innovative in excuse me innovative moves rather that i've seen in quite some time so that was super cool um there was a spanish fly from the top rope which is always exciting um the way bandito does is, is a little bit different where it's almost like a cross body mixed in so just a lot of really mm -hmm. cool innovative moves especially with danielson who can sell it really well um their two styles did not clash whatsoever danielson 
really went for a lot more like actual amateur wrestling holds, I think, but it makes sense in the story of the match. Like you want to get Bandito down and keep him from doing a lot of the high flying things he's known for doing. So um, the best review I've heard about this match and Mike, I'll, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this in just a minute, but the best review I've heard up to this point uh, is funny enough from our friends over at the what culture podcast. Um, one of them made the comment that it felt like these two were actually wrestling each other. And I think that's when we really get into these kinds of matches, when it really feels real. Um, I think all too often, a lot of these matches seem really telegraphed. You can kind of tell what one guy's going to do, what another guy's going to do. There's just sequences that are just common in pro wrestling. And yes, this match had a couple of those, but most of it just felt really organic. Um, Truly like the first time these two had really faced each other. So I'll pause there, Mike. I guess, you know, you had seen this match as well. I guess anything to add or did I miss anything? No, all the spots that you mentioned, especially that cross-body Spanish fly, I was like, oh my God, I had never before. And, you know, with Danielson's history of a neck issue, I was just like, oh, please, God, please not be dead. Uh, But yeah, the spots were incredible. You knew we were going to get it. These guys have a true mutual respect uh, for one another. And then wrestling on a night that it was to honor a great wrestler, too, they really, um, you know, stepped up and did something that was truly artistic and, you know, just done with such class on each uh, own's behalf. I honestly, it reminded me if Bandito was around during like WCW 1994, 95, where they used to shoot those cruiser weights right off the bat. It would be like Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero or uh, Ultimo Dragon, you know, just those awesome just stars that you're just seeing it for the first time. He would have fit right in. He would totally would have. It's like AEW, but way before it's time. Truly. And, that, and it almost made me wish, like, man, why can't we, why can't they just start that up again? Like, get get some of these Mexican wrestlers up there and, like, lead the show off with it, or I don't know, because it's been done. But it just really made me nostalgic and kind of yearn for those days of, because that was just, it, it was so fun. It was so packed. Uh, who, are, who are some other ones? Um, oh, it uh, was, um, oh, gosh, the name's escaping me. Uh, he was a Japanese wrestler. Uh, Jushin Thunder Liger was another yeah, big one. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And then, like, uh, Billy Kidman was in there. Who was, um, oh, Juventu Guerrero? Juventu, yes. Uh, and then you, you mix in Dean Malenko in there. Yeah. Uh, for some well, for some moves. He was considered a cruiserweight. Benoit was in there. Jericho. Isn't it funny to think that Benoit was a cruiserweight at one point? Right? <laughs> yeah, right? Jeez. He's bigger than uh, three quarters of the roster in AEW. <laughs> he was built for sure. Um, but yeah, Bandito, man, true talent. I didn't know he was a fourth generation wrestler. I'd love to kind of research more about his story because it'd be kind of cool if like his great great grandfather was Bandito and then like the name Bandito, the look, the persona was all handed down generationally. And it's like, you don't get to become bandito unless you're ready and you know and they never like say this is bandito four this is bandito three or like oh that's um jose the third bandito the third you know you know what i'm saying like yeah, bandito never dies 
Yeah, no, I totally get it. And to all the head honchos over there at Warner Media, if you guys by any chance decide to make a documentary about Bandito and <laughs> you need to do an English voiceover, I think you just heard the man who's going to play the voice of Bandito the <laughs> Second. It was honestly, when I said that, like um, Puss in Boots and Antonio Banderas, <laughs> like, came like into my mind, like, because I know. <laughs> That totally makes sense. Right no, no, that's fair. Bandito's outfit is very similar. I get it, <laughs> dude. He's got a great look. I saw Bandito. I mean, we brought this up on the show before at All In, the first AEW big show. It was the Young Bucks, and then somebody. I, I don't know if they had Ray Mysterio with them, but it was like first Ray Phoenix and Bandito was in there, and they just they didn't have any time because they were just so new to booking that show. Mm-hmm. They only had like ten minutes, and there was like six. Six guys in that match all needed to get their shit in. There was, like, no stopping. It was just basically tumbling, rapid-fire tumbling for 10 minutes straight. It was fucking crazy. And Those I was the best matches. The, but, but they were just, like, they, like, they couldn't even. There was, it was no match. It was just, like, no <laughs> match. It was just flying. There was no story. There was no like who's winning. It was just like it was like the Harlem Globetrotters dunk contest, basically. Uh, and um, it was funny too because I had like a eye level to um, it was Nick Jackson when they, when it like somebody got pinned. They're like, "That's it! Like it's over." Like he was shocked. Like, bro, you knew you only had ten minutes, so it must have. It probably felt like three minutes in the ring for those guys at the rate they were going. It was fucking crazy. Probably, so I'll never forget that. Yeah, I uh, I saw a similar match. The, so the one Ring of Honor show I have been to, which, um, funny enough, talking about this, the Briscoes were in a match at that show. Um, it was at a time where I really didn't know anything about Ring of Honor. I do remember the match being really good. Um, nothing too crazy happened. I think they kept it in the ring for the most part, but really entertaining. Um, but the match that stands out to me is really similar, Mike, to what you just described. It was the Young Bucks and a partner of their choosing who I cannot recall who it was against uh, Jay Lethal and two other guys who I don't remember. So really great lineup. Um, all guys who I think are now <laughs> currently in AEW. But yeah, man, that match, it, it was so fast paced that I almost didn't even have time to react to anything. It was almost like you're amazed by one thing. And within yeah. less than two seconds, you get another thing that's equally amazing. So the whole time you're almost yeah. laughing at just how ridiculously insane these matches are. But anyway, I know we're getting a little bit off track. Getting it back to Bandito and Brian Danielson. Yeah, Bandito is totally in that class <laughs> of wrestler. But at the same time, he can work a really great style like with Brian Danielson. So really great match. Totally. Yeah. Fun stuff. Um, other than that, we had a we had a big title matchup between Koshida and Darby Allen to headline it, but honestly, if they would have rolled Bandito and Danielson at, at the end, I think that would have been the properest booking because after that, there wasn't a whole lot. There was one thing notable that happened, though. It was uh, Soraya and Tony Storm basically... Uh, how do you describe this again, Matt? You kind of explain it before we hit the record button. What happened again? I'm sorry. Yeah, so so this is weird. I, I think for the last several weeks, AEW has sort of 
tried to build the storyline with uh, six of the AEW women's division wrestlers. Um, and recently, I feel like Tony Storm recently came back. Soraya has been out there, but she just runs her mouth every week in the ring. And it's really led to fans just thinking that she truly is, I, for the lack of a better word, entitled and just coming over from AEW, or excuse me, WWE. But last night on AEW Dynamite at the time of this recording, we did see Tony Storm and Soraya stir up some trouble ringside. Um, unfortunately, I actually missed this segment. I don't have all the details firsthand at this point, but ultimately what ended up happening is Soraya and Tony Storm are now both heels, which is really interesting. Um, I actually really like this and where they're going with it. I think Soraya coming back to wrestling after five years, having that match she had at full gear, um, you know, it was great. It was really heartwarming and cool. I think the match quality itself really suffered, though. And since then, we haven't really seen her in the ring. The promos have been strange, for the lack of a better word. Like, I don't really know how to feel about them. So I think having her turn heel at this point really makes a ton of sense. Um, and it sort of justifies a lot of the things she's done. I think even as a babyface, some of the things she would say or do were a little bit heelish in nature. Um, so I think that'll be good for her character going forward. As far as Tony Storm... She's done everything she can as a babyface up to this point. Um, mm -hmm. She was the AEW Women's Champion and had, what was it, 10 title defenses or something like that? So, I mean, she had a phenomenal title run. She really elevated the women's division, which still isn't where it needs to be, but it's definitely better than where it was. So that's really good to see. And I think putting these two together is a really smart move. Um, the one thing I don't think we see enough of on Dynamite is women's matches. You have your obligatory one match per week, usually about an hour and 15, hour and 25 minutes into the show, uh, just like clockwork. So by pairing the women up with each other, creating these factions, hopefully that leads to them getting more TV time, more character development between all the people involved, and ultimately just a better women's division. So, so at the end of the day, I think this heel turn's a good thing for both these women. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. And I know the women's division does need some work. And somebody that I just don't understand why they don't put her on TV more often and give her a nice little run is Penelope Ford. She's been doing yes. it for a while. She's super athletic. She's got the look. She's got the skill set. She's tough as fuck. But I don't. they just don't use her. Like, I don't get it. I don't you, get it either. One, you feel me? I, I do. Uh, one So one criticism of AEW that I'll make here on the podcast, so this is recorded. It'll be out there in the cloud. Uh, yeah, I agree with Mike. They don't do nearly enough with Penelope Ford. I think it was in, I want to say 2020, because it felt like it was during the pandemic when she had one or two really good matches back-to-back -back over the course of two weeks. And I remember that was around the same time that Chris Jericho joined the commentary booth and was doing commentary for a little while on Dynamite um, before mm -hmm. he was moved over to Rampage exclusively. So Penelope Ford had a phenomenal second match. I really wish I could remember who her opponent was because, yeah, I'm sure that was part of it. But what was great about it was Jericho put her over in the match and fans were talking about it. And Penelope mm -hmm. Ford, I think by it was no Sheeta. Was it against Sheeta? Yes. Yeah. It, Yes, good call. Um, but one of the things that really stood out to me was Penelope Ford is is not an AEW Women's World Champion. She wasn't at that time either. But I think back to 2015 when we had that feud between Bailey and Sasha Banks in NXT. 
Sasha mm-hmm. Banks was the seasoned vet of NXT, I guess you could say, for the lack of a better description. And Bailey mm-hmm. really felt like she had just started wrestling, but she had a big heart. And every week you could see her getting a little bit better, which this was well before we would sit there and analyze pro wrestling. Um, obviously, now we have a podcast and that's what we do. But even just as a dumb fan at the time, I, like it just I knew the story. I followed it the whole way. I feel mm-hmm. like that's sort of the same situation Penelope Ford was in at the beginning of 2020, you know, almost like a Bailey where she's starting out. She's not great, but she's good. And you can see it and you want to get behind her and you want to mm-hmm. see her grow. And then you want to ultimately see her win the women's title mm-hmm. that for multitude of reasons just didn't happen. Um, but I agree with you, Mike, I think bringing Penelope Ford in more would be really great um i know that chris statlander has been sidelined for quite a while i'm really hoping she gets back on tv as well i think if you were to add those two it would be really great um a lot of the women's division i feel like they're leaning on xwwe talent which Mm -hmm. is fine there's some great wrestlers from there i mean obviously tony storm's one of them but it would be really great to see some of the AEW homegrown talent really rise up the ranks as well and the people want to see it. The AEW the people, faithful got to yeah. give the people what they want. The AEW faithful have been following all the stories since the very beginning. And all you got to do is make the people believe that she might win. You don't actually have to give it to her. But I think out of all the women that are there, Penelope Ford is kind of like that perfect dark horse that has all the reasons, as I listed before, with the looks wardrobe skill set she's got the skill set she's got and she's had creative matches it's not like you see the same penelope ford match all the time she like she's i think her skill set's pretty diverse if they gave her a good run i'd be fucking loving that can you imagine if she got a a match against jamie Hayter at a big pay-per-view oh my god god that'd be that'd be amazing um I saw some other booking today where somebody suggested a W to oh, Rhea Ripley versus Jamie Hayter would be a phenomenal match. I mean, obviously that won't happen today mm-hmm. or this week just because Rhea Ripley's currently in WWE. But who do you think that, would win that just to jump in? Oh, who do you think man. would win? Dude, it, if you're going solely based on the character, it'd have to be Rhea Ripley. I yep. think I thousand percent. Yep. Totally. Um, don't get me wrong. Jamie Hader's awesome. I, yep. But anyway, getting way off track fantasy booking matches that maybe we'll see in a few years. I don't know. Anyway, uh, back in AEW exclusively, yes, Penelope Ford's awesome. Another dark horse that I think could be really great for the women's division, just to have her on more, could be, and I never thought I'd say this, but Red Velvet. She wow. has been paired yeah she's been paired up with jade cargill for quite a while now as one of the baddies before that she and jade cargill had a really good match together and red velvet's been kind of hit and miss i think in terms of good matches versus really bad matches but nowadays i think she's having more good matches than bad and she's really dialed into her character you can tell when you do watch her matches on tv the facial expressions the timing of her moves like she really believes everything she's doing and i think that's big because fans can see that so giving her run alongside penelope ford or against penelope ford could be really interesting but that's assuming that aew actually books more than one women's match a week which yeah gets us back to the crux of the problem Hmm. well i mean we've seen worse we had uh ty conti against Britt baker at 
Revol Revolution once before. Fuck. I mean, there's been a lot that like we did not want to see on a pay per view. I think they do have the in home grown talent that could put up something interesting. They just got to put a little bit more effort into it. And hey, maybe Tony Storm in this Soraya, um, you know, little dark uh, heel turn here might get the might start stirring the pot. So. Speaking of pot, we had a huge overflowing pot of uh, promos <laughs> sent to us uh, recently, uh, but we're going to skip that. Uh, we're going to put the pot away, say no to that, and we're just going to go with one that Charlie sent us that he wanted us to hear tonight for our promo of the week. It is a Jay Briscoe promo in 2013, about 10 years ago. So uh, here's Jay Briscoe in a barn with his brother, Mark. He's rocking the Carhartt and Oakland Raiders cap. He looks scary. <laughs> he was fucking awesome. We love you, Jay. Let's hear it. This Friday night in Cincinnati, Ohio, we got us one hell of a match. We're putting our tag straps on the line against Kyle O'Reilly and Davey Richards. Team Jiu-Jitsu. Team MMA. It's crazy when you think about it, man. MMA done took over the world. MMA's the biggest shit going right now. Taking that time from my boxing, man. Hell yeah. MMA done took over. And I got all the respect in the world for the people to do MMA. But the shit that pisses me off, when you got Johnny Badass walking to the bar with his little tap out shirt on, he went to the gym for two weeks so his little muscles popped out a little bit, and he think he's God's gift to women. He walk around like his shit don't stink. I guarantee you one of y'all little tap-out boys bring that shit down here to Sandy for you. will be lucky to get out of this bitch alive. Now, Davey and Kyle, I ain't saying that y'all that type of people. But you got Davey Richards walking around with his little title belt and a mouthpiece in. It's pro wrestling, son. Hey, brother, hey, Terry Funk ain't wearing no mouthpiece. Hell no, Terry Funk ain't wearing no damn mouthpiece. Bruiser Brody ain't wearing no mouthpiece. Doing your little jujitsu, getting focused and shit. Talking about I'm focused. I'm kicking this bag. I'm focused for my match. Shit. That's where we different, boys. We a different type of people. We ain't got time to be focused. Focused. Shit, we live on a farm. We got to get shit done. We ain't got time to walk around being focused. Do I look like, does it look like stable thoughts go through my mind? Do I look like a rational thinker to you? This guy, I guarantee you, he ain't no rational thinker. Shit, we walk in there on Dr. Phil, he shit us. Damn, son. My bad, I thought you was finished. Oh, you killed that gym? Yeah, man. Man, we ain't talking. Let me unload, my boy. Take us one more. No, no. Now, where was it? Ah, shit, where the hell was it? Um, last time, yeah, last time we got in a fight at the and that loud bang was a gun. We tried to, um, I, sorry I didn't warn you in the beginning. I'll try to turn it down in the editing process. But yeah, that shotgun uh, was Mark uh, shooting at cans in that barn. Uh, those guys love passing time doing redneck things and uh, kicking ass. And they that they did. Um, man, it's going to be crazy. I hope, uh, I hope everybody's doing okay and his family and his daughters are, you know, healing. And yeah, much love to Jay Briscoe. Totally. And shout out to Charlie for sharing this promo with us. That moment where Mark shoots the can with the shotgun, that honestly, 
what other wrestling promotion would you ever see that on? And what other team would ever do something like that? Like these guys are truly one of a kind. So yeah. Um, again, if you like me and you're not super familiar with the work of the Briscoes, go back through ring of honors catalog. There's a ton of stuff out there on YouTube from years gone by all good matches too. Um, yeah, go back, dig into it. I'll do the same. Yeah, and the gun was, like, super legit. I mean, I don't know anything about guns, but it's, like, (laughs) it's expensive, and it looks like it can do some major harm. So you know those guys are just throwing, you know, plates or whatever they can find up on that farm and just going to town. So I gotta gotta believe that was, like, a shoot shot as well, too, because how how do you fake something like that in a barn on a budget like you don't and if especially no. if you're the briscoes what's the need to oh no they keep it real they definitely keep it real there and if you want to keep it real and keep it just three more extra things i encourage you to do these go forward stay humble stay hungry and stay hard triple h 